podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. you Rams and welcome to Steve Bloomer's Washing for Derby County Fans Podcast. What a time to record a first away victory of 2019. A back to the wall emotional afternoon in Bristol saw Frank Lampard's boys, or should I say men, secure back-to-back league wins and that's a first as well since early December. With Chris Parsons away, I, Richard Kutcher, am your host this week and we are joined by hard hat wearing Tom Martin. He's also got a couple of bells attached right Co- now, Richard. A couple of bells, Jetta's hat on the way and special guest to digest another roller coaster, Anton Martin. Welcome to the pod. Hello, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. So goals from Tom Lawrence and Derby's very own Jaden Bogle delivered the impressive 2-0 against Bristol City, probably meaning, probably meaning... Three points from our last two games should be enough for a mouth-watering playoff semi-final against Leeds United. But before we get into all of that, Tom will be delivering our Who Ram I this week. To remind listeners, Tom will provide a series of clues concerning a former Rams player, and Anton and I will have to identify them at the end of the episode. Can you give us the first clue, please, Tom? Yeah, I'm excited about this one. I've been saving it for a little while, uh, and I'm going to make it a bit tough for you both. Um, The first clue is I played 16 games for Derby County between 2004 and 2006. 16, so not exactly a stalwart of the era. No. Okay, we'll come back to that one at the end of the episode. A reminder that you can follow Steve Bloomer's Washing across social media at Steve Bloomer Pod on Twitter, Steve Bloomer's Washing on Instagram and on Facebook, and please do visit our website www.stevebloomerswashing.com. Chaps, away form has been problematic this season, but we have produced two other very memorable results, 4-3 at Norwich at Christmas and the 4-1 drubbing of West Brom in October. Anton, where does Saturday's result stand for you in this season's away victories? Well, it was obviously an absolutely brilliant result. I, I, I think looking back at those two previous games which you just mentioned, I think West Brom maybe just edged it for me in terms of the overall performance. We were absolutely dominant that day. Um, but I think Saturday was potentially more satisfying, actually. Um, just given the manner of the victory, the way we won, the way we ground it out, having not played at our best, um, we definitely rode our luck at times, but getting the three points on Saturday in, in that kind of way is something that we've not really seen Derby do in the past. Um, we have struggled at times this season when we've been up against it, and to get the three points, especially against a playoff rival in such a big game, was absolutely massive. It's the magnitude of the victory and the importance of those three points. I totally agree. Um, I said in the last podcast, we needed to be tough and battling against them. Um, the hard hat sort of attitude and really sort of dig deep. We did exactly that. And that's why we got the three points. A fantastic result. 
One of those players putting on a hard hat, I think, was George Evans. And George Evans, alongside Tom Lawrence, grabbed most of the plaudits. And those two players have been some of our scapegoats this season as well. Evans came on uh, and appeared in a derby shirt for the first time since being hooked at Villa Park at half-time. He came on and produced a composed and commanding performance after replacing Tamori early in the first half. Who impressed you most from the performance, Tom? Uh, yeah, Evans, quietly efficient uh, centre-half, like dominant, winning headers. Uh, letting Kiro attack it and clearing up after him, taking the ball from Roos that was very important to uh, set us on our way. Um, I was also obviously impressed with Lawrence. Um, scored a good goal, from, fantastic work from Mount, who I'll come to in a second. But they, they also scored a second, which was just offside. Very, very, very tight. And he looked dangerous going forward down the left. Um, but for me, second half, I thought Bogle was excellent. Uh, and I, but I think Mount was the best player on the pitch. Creates so much. He strings the team together. Uh, works hard. And he just—he's just a different level to some of the some of the players on the pitch, both for Derby and for Bristol City. He's fantastic. I think many Derby fans actually feared the worst when we saw Tamori going off, and we saw who was replacing him in George Evans. But he—he he really stepped up to the plate massively. He had an absolutely superb game, kind of getting his head on. Um, the numerous crosses that were coming into the box and putting his body on the line. That was really great to see. And even if we have a bit of a selection dilemma on Wednesday, if if Tamori isn't fit, then he's definitely staked his claim for that um, spot. So uh, Lampard also made a point uh, in his post-match comments regarding Tom Lawrence's defensive work off the ball. Really, really went out of his way to highlight that. Not something we usually think of as well as the quality we know he can provide in the final third. Do you think that's something us and other Derby fans don't often recognise about Lawrence? Is, is he working harder than Derby fans give him credit for? Yeah, I think so. Um, he's, he's certainly got that ability going forward, and we've seen that enough uh, times in the past, albeit fleetingly at times. Um, but sometimes you think he's, he doesn't quite put the effort in. And in the last few games, Derby have just been a bit more solid. Um, we're fairly comfortable... Um, against Bolton when we kept a clean sheet a few weeks back there were opportunities for QPR um, but the, um, on an Easter Monday and there were also opportunities for Bristol City but I thought we defended a lot better we tried to stop the crosses a lot more um, and actually defended as a unit a lot better perhaps that's um, evident from Lawrence working harder and perhaps from the wide, wide players working harder and starting to, trying, to cross, sorry, trying to cut those crosses out I think as well with Lawrence is, and we mentioned it I know I think it was during the Norwich away game um, but some, I think it might be Mount or Wilson gave the ball away in the middle of the park and Norwich went through and scored mm. and we made the point at the time that no one really gave Wilson any stick for that but if that had been Tom Lawrence he, he would have got all the stick in the world from Derby fans about that so I think it's really good that he, he had a big impact on Saturday and hopefully that gives him a lift I know that um, Ramage and, and Steve Nicholson in the Derby Telegraph have been, have been building him up I think during the week in the build up to that match I think Lawrence could have a really big impact and he has been he has been quiet for the last couple of months hasn't he? Yeah, I, I think since he's come back into the team in, in the last few weeks, he has been much better. He's looked much more lively going forward and much more creative. The fact that he put an absolute shift in defensively might make a few Derby fans change their opinions of him a little bit because he, he has been a bit of a scapegoat this year. But I think that the whole shift that the, the team put in on Saturday was absolutely massive. It was actually quite surprising the way we set up, um, I know many people expected us to come out quite attacking and kind of have a bit of a, a shootout to see who could score the most goals, which wasn't the way we set up at all. We we 
kind of had the classic away performance. Everyone was putting in their shift defensively and we played on the counter. We dug in on Saturday and beat them because we had better quality players up front. Tom Lawrence has got more quality than Andreas Weiman. Semenyo, before he was sent off in the 59th, 60th minute, does not have the same quality as a Harry Wilson. It goes right the way through. If you gave Bristol City the Derby County front line, Derby would have lost on Saturday. But we've got more quality. We worked as hard as them and they were were a decent side. They played well. Um, But we had more quality going forward and and Lawrence was one of those players who who put put in that shift, as uh, Anton said. But, Lawrence has done that for one game. It goes back and he's got a reputation for not being uh, putting that effort in and he sometimes deserves the criticism he gets. So I'm not going to change my mind on Lawrence as a whole. He had a very good game. I want to see him do that for four, five, six, seven games in a row, not for one game. Yeah, that would, that would, that would be perfectly well-timed if that was to happen. So that first goal then, we did. Uh, we, we, see to, we seem to say this every week now about Mason Mount. What else can we say about Mason Mount's comeback and his impact on this team in the, in the last month or so? His first touch with back to goal showed that kind of special spatial awareness that he's got to take him around the corner into the space, chops inside, chops outside, leaves the defender, got no idea where he is, and then absolute inch perfect pick out pass to Lawrence. He showed real pace, sharpness, and flaring at assist, didn't he, Anton? Yeah, it's been, it's been no great surprise that Derby have looked much more lively and much more creative going forward since Mount came back in. He just seems at one step ahead of the majority of, of championship players, really. And we definitely saw that in the first goal um, on Saturday. He really benefits from that space as well, doesn't he? Because when we're, when we're playing teams who let the centre-backs have it and basically just mark our midfield and full-backs out of the, out of the park, Mount's really struggled to find that space. But as soon as you get him into the third quarter of the pitch, if you can give him time to turn around, face up the defender and make a pass or make a move or make a dribble, then that's when he really comes into his own. Jada Silva's no no poor defender as well, the Bristol City left back. He's on loan at Chelsea uh, from Chelsea even. And um Mount made him look silly. Like he turned him inside out and it was it was almost men against boys the way that um Mount did that and he picked up the ball so often uh, in dangerous positions and played some quality passes. Um I was a big fan of his sort of secondary assist as a, a phrase I think I've used before, uh, the pass down the line for Bennett before Bennett cut it inside for Bogle. Um there's just absolute quality and vision that I haven't seen in a Derby player um, for a long, long time, I think maybe Will, Will Hughes was almost there uh, when he was at Derby. Or but young, young Tom Hodgson. Yeah, maybe a young Tom Hodgson. That was a bad Derby team that he was playing in. But at least uh, Mount has the quality around him to to seize those opportunities that he creates. Wasn't that bad? It was a playoff semi final team with Tom Hodgson, with Ian Taylor. Oh, that's true. Actually, I mean, yeah. it was a pretty freak playoff final team, <laughs> uh, semi final team. So the next uh, talking point from Saturday was uh, the red card early in the second half. Substitute Anton Semenyo, as you mentioned there, Tom, was judged to have lunged late and dangerously on Tom Huddleston. There's definitely been some debate on this one on Twitter. For you boys, was it a red? I feel like it was a red card. Um, he, He came in high with his studs up and he was late and he definitely caught Tom Huddleston. I don't think he can have too many complaints that he was showing the red card there. I think the reaction of the Derby players says it all, really. They were instantly um, upset at the way he he flew in. And I think you can quite often tell the difference between whether a, a team is kind of trying to get in the head of a referee and whether they're genuinely upset by the speed that it takes them to react. They were instantly kind of arms up um, clearly visibly upset with the way that he flew into that tackle and, and that says a lot about how bad it was and uh, and that it's not surprising that he was showing a red card 
Yeah, I'd, I'd have to say I'd agree. The the touch that he makes as he brings the ball down is, is a bad one. It allows Huddleston to nick in there. Um, and he, he clatters Huddleston. Um, the ball seems to go forward, but I think the ball only goes forward after he's taken Huddleston. Um, I've got a good friend, I've mentioned him before, who's a Bristol City fan. And he said that if Huddleston was a bit quicker, then um, then it probably would have been okay and he would have, would have missed him. But fact is, Huddleston's not. And Huddleston was there and Semenyo cleaned him out. It was a lunge. He was initially off the floor, I thought. Yes, he goes in with one foot, but his studs are raised. In the modern day, that's a red card. Ten years ago, it's not. But we're not playing in 2009. We're playing in 2019. For me, it was clumsy. For me, it probably was just about red card. I think you're right. I think maybe a few years ago, it wouldn't have been. I don't think it was malicious. I think it was clumsy. I think, as you said, he, he miscontrolled the ball and then he tried to recover it. And that's where it came in. It wasn't... And it, I would say it was almost one and a half feet, actually. And you're right. It was kind of just off, just off the ground. But I felt like it would have gone either way. I don't think, um, unlike a certain Aston Villa player who uh, was sent off with a tangle from an ex-Derby player who now plays for Leeds, unlike that one, I don't think is going to have any chance of having that turned no. uh, turned over. It was just a stupid tackle to make, really, um, given where it was it, in kind of Derby's half. Um, he flew in clumsily. As you say, it wasn't the worst red tackle challenge we've ever seen, but he can have no complaints, really. We did ride our luck throughout, uh, well, both halves, really. Martin Waghorn made an excellent goal line clearance and Vyman hit the bar from two yards out. We were lucky at times, but we also created plenty of chances ourselves. Mount and Johnson both having second half one-on-ones, which we don't see that often, but not taking them. So how do you feel the general... Do we des- were we deserved three um, two-nil winners? Yeah, I think it's a classic away performance, and I think we created the four best chances of the game. Um, we also had two goals disallowed. Vyman's chance was a great opportunity, but Roos for me should come for that. The ball's on top of him. He's six foot four, six foot five. He should be claiming that corner. Um, Roos makes a couple of decent saves um, from inside the box, but a lot of Bristol City shots. I think they had twenty three. A lot of them from outside the box, and they weren't really troubling Roos at all. Derby had the clear cut chances. We created more, uh, and I think it was deserved. Interestingly, um, I thought Derby defended corners a lot better than they did against Birmingham City. Now, obviously, I don't think Bristol City are quite as big and physical as Birmingham Birmingham City were, um, but it was interesting to see how we set up. And if we'd have conceded the same header, uh, which Waghorn cleared off the line against Birmingham City, that was going in the top corner because no one dropped into the space onto the post uh, like Waghorn did uh, on Saturday. And that's clearly something that's been addressed. So... Coach, you often criticise Lampard on, uh, on training and drilling the defence. That's something I think I saw worked on and improved on uh, from that time. And Andy Vyman missing from two yards. He was at Derby for long enough. We know that. I, I, know, that we, I know that we've struggled, particularly in the Bonus City game, um, from set pieces. But I do feel that in general, in the last month, yes, we've been scoring more goals. Yes, we've been creating more chances. We've been looking a lot better in the final third. But actually, particularly uh, Brentford away... Uh, particularly in the QPR game and at times in the Birmingham City game and definitely against Bristol City um, on Saturday, there's been so much more battle from Derby, so much more bottle and battle and effort. And yeah, it, maybe we are getting the referees' faces more often. Um, and maybe that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it shows that they're up for it. It shows Lampard's getting them up for it. And it's making... We, I've seen loads of fans in the last few weeks on Twitter from everyone we've played starting to complain about our players being niggly and, and getting stuck in more and having to go at the referee more. And you know what? I think that's probably what this team actually needs at the moment. Too often we've been soft against the bigger teams and it was nice to have 
Johnson and Huddleston in there. Johnson, who is the real sort of battler uh, and grinder in there, and then Huddleston, you can give the ball to, uh, and he's got that bit more bit more flair, and it allowed sort of Mount, who's playing in behind, um, to sort of create more space. And I think that was a good balance that we had. Uh, from that something I think Chris mentioned in the last podcast yeah I think I can hear him crying it out loud now why Why did Lampard not try that sooner how, how did you feel about that I think the balance of those three works really well um, it kind of brings the best out of Huddleston I think um, with sort of battling um, terrier like player like Johnson in there with him means that Huddleston doesn't have to do that uh, we all know how good Huddleston is on the ball and he brings that composure into Derby's midfield but he, he does have some negative aspects to his game kind of his lack of mobility and those kind of areas having Johnson in there means that he doesn't have to do that so he, he can concentrate on getting the ball bringing the attacking players into play a little bit more. It was an unconfirmed rumour, but I heard that uh, Bradley Johnson gave Jamie Hansen a call and they spent a few <laughs> days at the gym through the week. <laughs> I, I, for me, for me, the problem with midfield is that there isn't there isn't one natural solution to who plays in that three, and particularly who plays in the in the more withdrawn two. I think there's there's sometimes there's a call for it to be Holmes in the one in one of those positions, or Mount to be deeper, or Wilson to play central. I think it's horses for courses, and and Lampard hasn't quite maybe hasn't got it correct on the day often enough during the season I think what we need to be is, is flexible with those midfield three um, at times earlier in the season we've kind of had uh, the same three players play in every single game and teams have kind of known how to deal with that they've stuck a man on Huddleston or they've stuck a man on Mount and we've not really had a plan B and we haven't known how, how to get through the lines and to create play and we've been giving it away in, in our defensive third and we've just not known what to do so although those three looked really good on Saturday and it worked really well and the balance was there we shouldn't kind of play that way in every single game we should be a bit bit more flexible I think yeah I totally agree um, whilst you maybe have your best 11 and your sort of formation uh, and your sort of setup, it needs to be flexible enough for you to to bring other players who do slightly different jobs now we've had problems in midfield because we haven't known who we're going to bring in be it Bryson or be it Thorne or perhaps not Thorne even but Huddleston or Evans or something um, and we haven't quite had the balance properly and so we need to be flexible and I think the change to a sort of 4-2-3-1 which it looked like on um, on Saturday I think that was a good idea and I do think it's a formation that we played a lot under Rowett last year and at times when that Rowett team were playing well it was the best formation that we had I remember the Birmingham City game away we were just devastating uh, towards the end of our sort of winning run uh, in January time and that's, that's the sort of thing we saw on Saturday some real grit determination uh, and devastating counter-attacking football and that, and that counter-attacking football was, was illustrated in, in that second goal and the celebrations were just absolutely brilliant I've lo- loved watching all the videos of those celebrations and loved everything about the build-up as well that man Mount again released Bennett in behind quite appropriately at Bristol as well almost a rugby-esque up and under to find the space from, from Mason Mount I thought and then Bennett's composure and skill to disguise the pullback to Bogle finishing clinically and high after sprinting, what, 30, 40 yards to support his mate going forward? I think yeah. it was more than that, you know. I, I absolutely loved that second goal. Uh, it was obviously great build-up play from Mount and, and Bennett. But the the run and the energy that Bogle showed to, to get up there and support Bennett, especially at that late stage in the game, being 1-0 up away from home, it would have been very easy to sit back and try and protect that one-goal lead. But he saw the opportunity and absolutely grasped it with both both hands. And the composure that he showed with the finish, I, I think he hasn't been given enough credit for that. He, having run 40 yards, it's very difficult to keep your composure like that. And it, it was a wonderful finish into the top corner. Given the late 
nature of the game, given that his age and the fact that he's only scored one professional goal in his career, it was an absolutely unbelievable finish. We talked a couple of months ago about the quality of Bogle going forward and I said it's just it's time that will come where Bogle will score goals and that was really evident on Saturday the way he got forward uh, a number of times in the game but there's a touch on his left foot and then sort of waiting and just hammering at home at the perfect time um, complete scenes in the away end I love that is, is it me or has Bogle had a growth spurt in the last two months for me he looks like he's half a foot bigger I don't know if he actually is half a foot bigger uh, or he just looks more confident he looks a bit bigger He. I, I can't remember anyone having such a such a big improvement in a derby shirt in, in one season that the kind of growth that he's come come on from the start of the season is just absolutely incredible and i think he's the the most exciting player that we see in a derby shirt at the moment especially if we take out the lone players yeah i totally agree bogle's fantastic and it's really interesting that um we signed signed wisdom what 18 months ago two years ago um and i was excited about signing him i thought right he's going to nail down a right back or center back spot uh, for a long time he had obviously had a fantastic loan spell a few years back um, and he didn't he didn't really come in and then Bogle's come in and replaced him I forgot we even had wisdom and it'd be he'd be one of the players you'd almost think yeah he's almost surplus to requirements if we can keep hold of Bogle and that's the most important thing for me if we, we've got to try and keep a hold of our, our young players for, for as long as we feasibly can we don't want to uh, them to waste their careers at us because we can't get up but keeping hold of our best players gives us the best chance to compete at the level that we want to compete at and that's in the Premier League uh, and that's not not just being in the Premier League and hanging on that's trying to challenge for uh, into the top half of the Premier League well, I think people forget and it's probably a, a massive compliment to Bogle actually that this is his first season in professional football he, he's still got lots to learn he's still got a lot of development to, to go through so I, th- I think it's beneficial for both parties really that he does stay at Derby at least for another season or two to, to bring on his game clearly the fans love him Lampard loves him he's getting lots of game time so I'd be very surprised if, if he was to move away um, anytime soon Do you think there would be interest for him this summer? I mean he's oh, finished the season very strongly Yeah oh totally um, and there was interest in January but I think it was Burnley and Bournemouth Burnley more strongly linked but I understand well from my understanding there wasn't a bid put in but it was rumoured to be £8 million and um, I said at the time you can keep that money mate because £8 million is not enough for Jaden Bogle we sold Will Hughes at a snip and that's because Rowett said he's not his type of footballer Jaden Bogle is exactly the type of footballer that Frank Lampard likes and he's exactly the sort of player that I love watching £8 million treble it I think I'll put my hands up and say in January I, I disagreed with you Tom and I said 8 million for Bogle I wasn't I was I was impressed as an 18 year old I thought he'd done well but I did think a lot of us were getting a bit ahead of ourselves and I thought maybe 8 million pounds in the financial situation that we, we were in and are still in I thought that would be quite good money for a relatively unproven player but I've changed my mind completely now Last the last two months particularly the last month he's just come on leaps and bounds I'd love to see him develop further at Derby. Hi, I'm Dean Sturridge. Hi, I'm Paul Pesky-Solido. Hi, I'm Curtis Davis, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. Just a reminder that Steve Bloomer's Washing is partnered for the season with Derby Brewing Company, the family-run microbrewery and pub operator with three great boozers across Derby. Looking ahead to our game against Swansea, Tomori was a, I think, quote, strong dead leg was the, the term I heard used uh, by Frank Lampard and the media. We touched on it before, but is George Evans, do we just put George Evans in or do we resort to our good friend Effie Ambrose? I think it would be hard to drop George Evans after that performance, to be honest. Um, we don't really know what condition Effie Ambrose is in. It's been a bit surprising that we haven't seen him at all. Um 
since he since he signed for Derby. Um, so depending on what kind of condition he's in, I'd be surprised if he if he came back in, especially given the performance that George Evans had on Saturday. And there's a lot of momentum behind Evans as well. Apparently. The, the Derby County team gave him a round, a round of applause in the dressing room when he came in after the game. Seems like there's a lot of love from him at the club and, and Lampard was full of praise for him. So surely that would be, if Tamori is unfit, and I think they're still hopeful that he will play, uh, it surely will be Evans alongside Kia. Yeah, I, I'd have thought so. I can't disagree with anything Anton said. And I think it's um, it shows a strong togetherness in the squad. I think um, there's a lot of team spirit in that Derby side and it, it's quite pleasing, to, well, very pleasing to see. It's a much more exciting team than we've seen at uh, probably since the 2013-14 uh, side. So, yeah, I think uh, keep Evans in for Wednesday. So one thing that you did mention earlier is the fact that we were defending crosses and corners much better. That could be down to Evans's height. He, he does seem probably better in the air than Tamori has been over the last few months. Up against Swansea on Wednesday, they do have an informed striker in Ollie McBurney who is very big, he's very good in the air and he does love to get on the end of crosses. So having someone like Evans to mark Ollie McBurney might um, just be quite beneficial for Derby. And that would be the ultimate test of Evans as a as a commanding centre-back. If, if that is a potential future for him, it might not be, we don't know. But if that's the kind of test that you're going to come up against regularly in the championship, isn't it? It's actually looking after a big striker. It's okay to winning. It's okay winning headers in the box when you're up against a team like Bristol City that don't really play that way. But when you come up against like a Djukovic or, or McBurney uh, at Swansea, that's the ultimate test. So, Tom, um, a few weeks ago, a few podcast episodes ago, me, you and Chris had a go at some predictions for the last nine games of a season. We've got just two games left. Now, it's quite well known that I tend to fail miserably when it comes to things like who ram I or guess the 11. Surely you're still failing. Well, if you look at the scores, I've currently got five out of seven correct. Chris has got five out of seven correct. I was the only one to correctly predict we would beat Bristol City. And you've only got three out of seven correct. So how's the failing going for you, Tom? Um, This is awkward. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure I'm used to this position being a a failure by comparison to Kutch, but I'm learning to deal with it well. It's probably just Tom's pessimistic predictions. (laughs) Yeah, that's true, actually. I'm generally more optimistic. Tom, you're generally more pessimistic. And we have been finishing the season strongly. And are we going to continue to do that on Wednesday against Swansea? They've got nothing to play for now. They can't make the top six. At one point, they did look like they could still have a shout of that. Does that make Wednesday's game easier or harder or do we have literally no idea? I think for sure it makes it easier um, given the fact that they do have nothing to play for. It will be much harder for them to motivate themselves in the way that they would have done had a a victory put them on the verge of the playoffs. That being said, they are a a good side and I've been really impressed with Swansea over the last few months. I really like what Graham Potter's trying to do there, trying to kind of bring a, a... a young uh, squad together and playing really nice football and their home record over the last few months has been absolutely superb but I don't think they've lost at home since November which was against Norwich and before the draw at the weekend they'd won about seven on the bounce so it's definitely not going to be an easy game Um, I don't think we should expect them to to roll over just because they've um, got nothing to play for it'll be a tough game but hopefully we can get the three points Swansea have been on a good run. It's not quite been as good as the uh, press have like, made out. Um, I was reading on Twitter the other day that Swansea are on the form sides in the division. And, and yes, they are. But actually, they've only picked up 10 points from their last five games. I say only, um, which is the same amount as Derby. And they've actually sp- picked up 16 from their last 10. Um, and it's a it's a sort of surprising defeat that's really killed them. Uh, Nottingham Forest away. 
uh, where they lost 2-1 two, two and then QPR where uh, they got battered 4-0 um, but they have been on a great run they won 5 of the previous 6 the 4-0 defeat being the 6th game uh, before the draw on, uh, on Saturday and of course they were 2-0 up as well that would have made a real difference so this is not going to be an easy game for Derby to go into we don't usually do that well down at Swansea I tend to see it as a very difficult place to go especially through midweek it's a long journey down there um, so I think a, a point would be a good one but realistically a point or a defeat that doesn't matter we, if we go there and win we're in the playoffs this season Anton I think what you said about Graham Potter is interesting because <laughs> although it has been a kind of a season of transition they, they actually strike me as a quite stable for a team that's just come down in the yeah. sense that they've finished the season strongly they've got their man in place they've got a clear philosophy of how they want to play and he's probably got a clear philosophy in how he wants to recruit in the summer. I think Swansea will be a real threat next season and should be among the favourites to get promoted. And I'm sure that he'll want them to, to finish the season strongly. Yeah, they, they actually remind me quite a lot of Norwich um, yeah. of last season in the sense that they've, they've got a very young team. They've, they've got a clear philosophy that they want to build. And as you say, they, they've got a surprising amount of stability given the fact that they got re- relegated from the Premier League last year. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if they were kind of pushing for top six next season. So... These last two games for Swansea, although they've got nothing to play for this season, they they still are, are building and they'll be looking ahead to next season. There'll be there'll be places to fight for um, in terms of the personnel and, and I don't think it's going to be easy at all. So sticking to this season for now though, the playoffs are actually the only thing to be settled in the Championship now. The top two are up, uh, unfortunately for Leeds, they've just missed out. The bottom three are down and Leeds' collapse has been so disastrous, West Brom could even now still pit them to third if they beat us on the last day, but Leeds would also have to lose to Ipswich, which would, which would be very unlikely to happen. Are we going to make top six, boys? My opinion is yes. Um, I said if, I said when we were doing the predictions that we're going to miss out on 72 points. Um, I'm now thinking that we're well in control of this. We've got a, a great opportunity. We need one win, realistically, to uh, seal the seal the playoff bid. If we don't get it on Wednesday, I'm confident we'll get it on on Sunday, although it will be a lot more nervy. Um, I'd rather do it this Wednesday and, and have the uh, the Sunday game as a bit of a relax to, to try and play ourselves into even better form than we're already in. Yeah, I'm, I'm really optimistic about our chances, actually. I, I think, g- given the way we played on Saturday and the kind of togetherness that we showed towards the end, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we took six points from the last two games. The Swansea game on Wednesday is, is probably the harder one for me, given the fact that it's away from home. Um, West Brom are a decent side but they'll definitely be looking ahead um, to their playoff fixtures on Sunday so I wouldn't be surprised if we took six points I I actually don't think we'll need three points I'm going to throw it out there and actually say that Middlesbrough might slip up away at Rotherham and I think Bristol City could slip up away at Millwall on, on Tuesday as well both tough fixtures we obviously don't want to rely on other teams and we definitely don't want only one point from the final two games going into the playoffs but very optimistic about our chances okay well just time for our who ran my quiz tom you gave us a clue at the start of the episode you want to give us that clue again and, and tom and i and tom and i will come in yeah so um as you know i'm going to give this clue again and then boys you have to say your name and then give your prediction so the first clue was i played for derby county between 2004 and 2006 anton connor salmon incorrect Tommy Mooney. Mm, we've had him before. Great when, guess. Yeah. Oh, no, we guessed him before. I guessed him before. Yeah, great player, but no. Um, how many? How many? Did you say that, how many games he played for us? Who said that yet? Uh, it was sixteen. I did sorry. Yeah, sixteen games. Um, I scored two goals during my time for Monaco, playing in the side that knocked out Manchester United on away goals under Jean Tiana in nineteen ninety eight. 
That was a long one, so I'm going to repeat it. I scored two goals during my time for Monaco, playing in the side that knocked out Manchester United on away goals under Jean Tigana in 1998. Anton Zavagno. Great guess. I can't but remember his first name. But Lu- Luciano Zavagno. <laughs> he, he was Premier League. He was Premier League. Years. Yeah. yeah, he was. That's incorrect. Richard. Pierre de Crow. Mm. Another Premier League player, yeah. but uh, another good guess, but unfortunately not correct. Although I was born in Yugoslavia, I did not play international football for that country. You've picked an absolute stinker for me to get involved with here, Tom. <laughs> Richard. Mo Kanyic. Oh, Richard Kutcher on the buzzer. Mo Kanyic. Oh, yes. <laughs> did he only play 16 times for Dolby? 16 times, yeah. yeah. I think he got an injury. Birdie brought him in and he got an yeah. injury. Were you mascot Anton in a game in 2004 and 5? I think you've got a picture of him. I have. I've, I've got a photo of him. Yeah. At home to Reading back yeah. Yeah, several years ago. Yeah. Yeah, excellent guess. My other clues were uh, I made 39 appearances for Bosnia, scoring three goals. I signed for Coventry City from Monaco for £2 million. I ended my career at Derby County, having played 16 games at centre-back and over 300 career games. And the final one, if we hadn't got there, uh, I share the first name of the barman in The Simpsons. <laughs> nice little topical reference. Very good. Well, Anton, you can come back again if you're going to keep performing like that in Who Am I? Because I need all the help I can get. So thank you for coming on the pod this week. Uh, and thank you to you, Tom. We will be back again after the West Brom game. We haven't decided exactly when. I think it's probably playoff depending and end of season review depending. But you will hear from us again this season. Thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Thank you.